Mark, today's joke is wrong on a number of levels, so I'm going to give you a couple of seconds to prepare yourself. <clears throat> right, I'm sat comfortably. Okay, um, so Buffalo Bill is now reformed from his time of being a serial killer, and he was eventually released. He's now super popular with the ladies near his own skincare business, which goes to show you he was always right. If you put the lotion on your skin, you do indeed get the hose again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> very on brand this week. But, I like it. I thought so. <laughs> My Dixie Rex. I guess we're ready for the show then. The writing is atrocious. Not a single joke come even close to remotely landing or being funny. I don't know why, but that is extremely interesting to me. <laughs> I'm into that kind of thing. Get to the chopper. Sorry. I feel like we're so spoiled by the internet these days. Thankfully, this does wrap up quite quickly. Step, step back, step, step back. You're going to fuck up in a minute. I'm going to set your place on fire. Let's get higher. How do you know about these people? And what the fuck is this pattern? This effect made me want to die. This couldn't make its mind up on what it wanted to be. Get a little bit of Hello and welcome to the E-Run Podcast. My name is Scott. Uh, my name is Mark. And we are your premier interactive horror podcast. We're probably not, but I'm saying we are. Uh, you pick the movies, you share your opinions, you score them. You can get involved by sending us emails, voice messages. And we've got an abundance of that today. And we've got a message for Mark to read out. And you said if we got a message, you would read it out in your incredibly racist American accent. Oh, did I really? You did, yeah. I need to stop drinking when we record this show. <laughs> um, we're going to do the messages first. So we held these off last week because last week's episode was kind of packed with with everything. Um, so, so we've got quite a few. So let me um, let me get the first one. So this one comes through after our awards episode. Scott, I was finishing up listening to the uh, the awards episode. It was absolutely hilarious. I love the format you guys did, and and yeah, all the jokes and oh my god, at the start it was unbelievable. <laughs> and uh, oh yeah, anyway, um, yeah, that's all I want to say. Really, was I, I, that's honestly one of my favorite episodes. I I don't know what it, I usually like awards episodes. I don't know why. It's always just different format, a little bit light, you know, and not as scripted. But that was really really good. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, thanks for asking me to do you know chip into a small part and uh was more than happy to but i mean even if i wasn't involved that was honestly one of my favorite episodes ever of the show so anyway i uh, hope you're well pal we'll talk soon bye that episode is within dave's wheelhouse isn't it a hundred percent and and dave saying that that's one of his favorites for me means a lot because i know dave listened from the very very beginning so he's heard Everything we've ch- he's heard all the shit we've churned out, and that's yeah, his favorite. He's a long stay, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he really is. Um, <clears throat> we got more messages after the awards. Um, we got quite a lot more messages after the awards. So, uh, yeah, let's do let's do the next one. I would just like to say that I was told 
whatever happens at the award show stays at the award show. So what Skelly and I did or did not do with Bill, first of all, you can't blame us because have you seen him? Um, yeah, I started thinking about that and I can't even remember what I was going to say. <sighs> Anyways, um, yeah, so Deadstream, it was, I, you know, even though I wasn't involved in making the movie, it was, I worked very hard at watching that movie, like 10 to 15 times. Um, but back to Bill, he's not <laughs> Disneyland, he's Disney World. That's like, mm, lots of steps up. Is that lots of steps up? I don't know the difference between the two. I've never been to either Disneyland or Disney World. I have been to Disney World, but not to Disneyland. And I, I don't know, because how can I categorise? I've not been on Bill Skarsgård, so I'm not sure how he compares to either. No, but I can imagine what it's like to be on Bill Skarsgård. But I can't imagine the difference between land and world. <laughs> 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 can somebody please clarify the levels of, of excellence between land and world? Yeah, if, if someone could do that, send a message. Um, <laughs> Tasha wasn't done, so Tasha had more to say. Please tell me that I'm not the only one who realized that in Mark's roundup of this movie, he admitted that Predators is a horror movie. An hour and right about 37 minutes. He says Predator is horror, and you have it recorded. Did I really? Yeah, when you rounded up Thanatomorphos, you you likened it to some of the practical effects in Predator and called Predator a horror movie. How the hell did I make the leap from Thanatomorphos to Predator? <laughs> We'd been drinking. It was it was a, it was an easy leap, I think. <laughs> At that point, it, anything was possible. For the second time already on this episode, I need to stop drinking. <laughs> uh, now, do, do you remember I put out a Buffy? real and this was yes. the buffy reel where i it said it says this is a work of art and it shows a picture from the buffy movie and yep. then followed shortly by this is bullshit and it showed a picture of buffy the tv series uh, we received a message from someone we've not received a message before but i believe has been a recommended account of the week pro physical media yes um no I don't believe he has been a recommended account of the week. Okay, should be a recommended account of the week because his account is fucking awesome. Yes. Um, he had something to say about what <laughs> about my reel. <laughs> I'm not surprised, to be honest with you, mate. When he, as soon as you put this out, I was like, I know I hear on the movie quite a lot, but yeah. there is a line you do not cross. <laughs> <laughs> do you think I crossed it? Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so th this is the message I received. I'm going to do this fancy thing called send a voice message. Yes, it is hot take. And yes, there are many people that prefer the movie to the TV show. <sighs> I grew up on the TV show and I did see the movie after as I was older. And when I say I grew up on the TV show, I literally was saved by the TV show. It saved my life. I would be dead if it wasn't. Thanks to Buffy. Oh, you, you get what I mean. And I'm running out of time. Anyway, um, so yeah, 
this is all in jest. It, no, we can't all agree on everything, and we don't all have to agree on everything. It'd be a boring fucking world if every cunt agreed on everything. Uh, if you don't like language, I apologise. Uh, anyway, yes. That is the first ever, and this is going to, we're getting calls for what I'm about to say. <laughs> that is the first ever rational Buffy fan who's ever called the show. Yeah, they're very few and far between these days. Yeah, and that is a very rational take. We all have different takes. And I know that Buffy means a lot to a lot of people. But also I like poking the Buffyverse because the Buffyverse do get very fiery. Yeah, it's a fun it's a fun collection of people to wind up, isn't it? They're they take all, things very seriously. They're almost there's three fandoms that are really good to poke to get a reaction. One is Buffy, two is the Halloween fans. Say Halloween free <laughs> say Halloween free rocks, and you're guaranteed a, a success hit. And the third one is Nightmare on Elm Street fans. Say anyone should play Freddy Krueger instead of Robert England, and it's like opening the floodgates of hell. Oh, God, I can imagine. I'm not really that sort of asked about the Nightmare franchise and who gets recast. No. So like, uh, and... It doesn't really mean that much to me, but I have seen some of the wildfire and the way it spreads. Even just like a simple little, like maybe like a clickbait article where someone's like, Ooh, Sansa Sansa is rumored to be cast in the new Nightmare on Elm Street, even though there is no new Nightmare on Elm Street coming out anytime soon. Yeah. But it's just one of them clickbait articles to get a reaction and get shares and likes. People yeah. go wild. <laughs> check check our TikTok at You Run Podcast. There is currently a reel there where I've given people the option to recast Freddy. Um, yeah. <laughs> lots of lots of wild takes. I tell you what, though, really good take. Brian Cranston. He's a bit old though now, is he not? I think it needs to be somebody younger because the thing is as well, like you can hide it all under practical effects. So give somebody who's got some longevity. I mean, Brian Cranston is massive. He's not going to take on a role. It's cast an unknown who could take it on, make it his own and then take it for the next 10, 15 years. Don't just take somebody for for the name. Yeah. Is my yeah. opinion. That's uh, my 10 pence worth. <laughs> I'll give you that. Uh, we also got a message this week from a new listener, and you're now going to read this in your incredibly... But it is. It's a racist American accent. So uh, off you go. Oh, man, this is way too early in the show for me to be pulling out tricks like this. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have got me at the end of the show. I'd have been well up for doing this. That's right. why it's at the start. I, I want to feel your uncomfortableness when I listen back and edit it. <laughs> I'm surprised you can't feel it already. I don't know why I'm going to go this way with it, but this is just what it's telling me to do. Thrilled to have found y'all's podcast. So many podcasts are terrible. Yours is not, though. Your levels could be better. Is that a typo? Our levels could be better? No, our levels could be better. It's the audio thing. It's where you keep moving your mic away from you like you just did then. Oh, yeah. Apologies. (laughs) (laughs) That is definitely me. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Thank y'all for the Lost Boys episode. Great fun and agree with y'all's conclusions. Just lightning uh, just lightning in a bottle. I need to catch I need to catch uh, Are they actually American? I don't, I, don't, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> I need to catch on and figure out y'all's channels. Would you like to join the conversation? I'm 58. I remember sitting in the theaters and watching Freddy the 13th, Young Frankenstein, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. 
as a kid. That's all. Glad I found y'all's Texas rules. <laughs> they didn't uh, say Texas rules. No, they, they didn't. <laughs> uh, and that's from Tom. That's um, that's a new list of the show. Tom, uh, apologies if you are American, especially if you're from the southern states and Mark just absolutely butchered <laughs> your nature tongue. Um <laughs> Anyway, if you want to get your voice heard on the air, like you've just heard, or you want your message read on the air in Mark's incredible southern <laughs> accent. I don't know if it would go uh, as far as to say it was incredible. There's a couple of ways you could do that. You could send us an audio DM on Instagram, or you can record a TikTok with no music and we can pinch the audio from there. Or you can send an email to yourunpodcast at gmail.com. As you all know, we like to give love to other accounts. And last week I hijacked this. And after I hijacked it, I felt guilty. So I feel pleasure now handing back to Mark what he created. Recommended account of the week. Recommended account of the week. Uh, so, <laughs> Did you just do the end of the Strictly bit? Well, <laughs> yeah, did, I'm did, trying did, to condense did. it because you, you, you take it and leave it in. So I thought maybe just a little, little warm up bit might just huh. keep me in the floor. So this week's recommended account. Oh man, do you know what? I feel very out of touch with that. You're not allowed to take this from me anymore. It feels weird now coming back after a week. Yeah, I won't <laughs> take it again. Apologies. <laughs> so this week's recommended account is, hey, I remember that. Uh, this is an Instagram account that showcases basically adverts from yesteryear. So you'll have just sim- it's nothing even really relevant. It's just stuff that you'll watch and you'll be like, ah, oh, I remember that. Hence why the count is, hey, I remember that. <laughs> like like the Tango advert, things like that. Yeah, so they'll do stuff like the Tango advert or even just simple stuff like the Intel Pentium Pro computers back in the do, day. Do, 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 and Yeah, <laughs> little, like, and it'll just be like a little three-second video of the advert or classic McDonald's adverts, Burger King adverts, even Sega Mega Drive adverts. It's it's a lot of fun. It really is. And the reason why I've picked this account in particular this week is because I know there is a lot of accounts out there that do similar stuff to what this account is doing. But this is quite a low reach account. They don't have many followers, but they do showcase a lot of posts. And you know me, I'm a sucker for uniform and everything has to look right and yeah, perfect and symmetrical on your page. Whereas they do do that. They have a background. Everything looks the same. They have like a retro TV in the middle of it with a nice uniform background it looks very pleasing to the eye whereas my Um, page must give you anxiety it does it does it really (laughs) does drive me mad sometimes i look at it like scott um and these other accounts as well do you know what i'm just going to ramble for a minute if you're a reviewing account please review your films in order or don't just just leave it chaos you don't need to be massive ocd like mark no i talk to elise about this all the time and sometimes she'll message me like oh hey just to piss you off you know i reviewed halloween 2 the other day i'm going to drop halloween 6 this afternoon i'm like fuck (laughs) (laughs) don't do that it annoys me um so yeah so anyway this account is really really good and i think that they deserve some recognition so i'd really appreciate it if not just for them but for me if you would go and follow this account and give them a share and a like and try and spread it far and wide so they can get some recognition that i think that they deserve and hopefully, the more recognition they gain, they will continue to produce more content. And that's why we're all here. Yeah. More likes and follows and love we get from the Instagram world strives us on to, to produce more content. So um, this is one that I'd like to stick around for the long run. So please go and 
go and give them a follow and a like. And that is, uh, uh, hey, I remember that. If you try and type it in on your search bar, it's hey, dot, I remember that. Cool. Right. I'm going to go and follow that now and everyone else do the same. Um, in the past, we've said if you feel your account is worthy to be recommended account, message me or Mark and we'll get you on. Now, I found that Instagram accounts are very, very humble and no one tends to go, yes, I'm fucking good enough. Make it me. So I'm going to change it slightly. If there's an account that you follow and that you like and that you think doesn't get the recommendation or recognition that it deserves, message me or Mark with that account. Yep. Send us an account that you love, that you would like to see get recommended account. Basically nominate someone to be our recommended account of the week. And that takes the pressure off of Mark to find one as well. Yeah, and another thing, let's take it another step further. There's a lot of podcasts out there that have Instagram accounts that don't necessarily garner a lot of traction. But your podcast might be outstanding. I know, Scott, you do quite well on social media with your accounts and you are quite successful. But when you search for a lot of other podcasting accounts on Instagram and search social medias and such, you tend to usually find that regardless of how successful the show is, their social media following is usually quite low. So yeah. If you're a good podcast, I mean, people are listening to us today because they like listening to horror. They like listening to horror podcasts. And if you feel that your social media side of things of your podcast is underperforming, hopefully this platform can help you out. So feel free to message us on that front as well. And I'll I'll give you a shout. Yeah. I mean, even some of the, the biggest podcasts in our niche, I mean, some of the, the absolute biggest have got a third of the followers that we've got. I've noticed some of them. One of the ones I've since I got into podcasting, and I know they amass thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of listeners. But I'll go to their Instagram page, and they've got like 125 followers. I'm like, no. How is how is that even possible? <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you fit into any of those niches, anyone you want to recommend, send them our way. We'll give them a shout out. Hopefully, they'll be grateful and they'll give us a share, and everyone wins. Um, today, we are going to go into the mind of a serial killer as he torments a rookie FBI agent by the name of Clarice Starling with various animal-based an- anal- uh, anal- uh, with various analogies. An- analogies that's the one. <laughs> um, we also get some full frontal nudity, some masturbation and some cannibalism as Clarice, Clarice type <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is going to be an episode. <laughs> as Clarice t- tries to draw the information... Out of, out of the incarcerated Hannibal Lecter to save an innocent victim from pay- facing more than just the hose. Today, it's time to shut the lambs up. Silence of the lambs. This episode also comes with subtitles. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> you spook easily, Starling. Not yet, sir. He's past the others. The last cell. I'll be watching. You'll do fine. <laughs> A killer is on the loose. Keeps them alive for three days. Then he shoots them, skins them, and dumps them. A rookie FBI agent is on his trail. He's got real physical strength, cautious, precise, and he's never impulsive. He'll never stop. But in order to track him down, she'll have to match wits. I'll help you catch him, Clary. Believe me, you don't want Hannibal Lecter inside your head. With the darkest of all minds. Just do your job, but never forget what he is. Oh, he's a monster. Pure psychopath. So rare to capture one alive. 
so close to the way you're going to catch him. Do you realize that? Oh, Clarice, your problem is you need to get more fun out of life. You told me you don't spook easily. You call this easy, sir? Lester's missing hand arm. Man's a raving maniac. Who knows what he'll do? For those of you unfamiliar with the show, we are spoiler heavy and we give you a spoiler warning on anything that's 10 years old. Here you go. You're talking about spoilers and I'm like, look, quit giving a disclaimer. Let me tell you something. This is for all of America and UK and everywhere. First of all, you can read the fucking episode title and be like, I've never seen this. Don't fucking listen to it then. Lost Boys came out before Jesus was born. Like... If y'all haven't seen it, that's not anybody's problem. Don't listen to the damn episode yet. As you all have all noticed, that is a different spoiler warning. That is Heather from Wednesday Wine and Horror saying that we should not have a spoiler warning. And if you're listening, you're a fucking idiot if you think this episode is not going to contain spoilers. Thanks, Heather. (laughs) She makes a valid point. She does. Um, We will go through everything. We're going to cover all the plot points and the whole shebang. So if you don't want it ruined... Go away, go watch the movie. If you've not seen this movie, seriously, come on, go watch it. Um, listeners score the movie. They've scored this a 9 out of 10. IMDb rocking an 8.6 out of 10, with Amazon coming in 8 point, sorry, 4.8 out of 5. So pretty high across the board, to be fair. Yeah. Now, the nature of this movie does not necessarily lend itself very well to being described because it's very very heavy on dialogue there's lots of one-on-one intimate scenes where us describing it is going to be Clarice sat and spoke with Hannibal Lecter and unless we do line for line we're we're, we're going to kind of give you the gist of it without giving you all of it Um, I'm also going to address the massive elephant in the room that is the character of Buffalo Bill so Buffalo Bill is I don't even know if he is a trans character. I don't know how he would be categorized now. I'm going to refer to him, or we are going to refer to him as he, because that is how he's referred to in the movie. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. I'd be interested to get people's feedback on it, but that's how we're going to refer to him. He's not very well portrayed. It's a very bad portrayal if he is a trans man. It's kind of trans man bad. Um, But in 1991, this was miles forward in thinking. There was nothing else like this in 91. We've come a long way since. But when this came out, this was like, fuck. Yeah, I think I think it's Dr. Lecter himself who mentions at certain points in the film that he I think it's when Clarice is trying to hunt for him. He's like, where would I find him? She's like, you will possibly find out that he wants him to transform. And he may have already applied for multiple surgeries but being rejected for it so i guess you could say that he is a trans man but not being able to fulfill his need hence why he's i'm not saying that because he can't fulfill his needs as wanting to get an operation to change is why he's killing people but obviously that is what spared on his yeah need and, uh, to do what he does uh, and i'll be honest when i viewed this and in the 90s and when i viewed it again today i didn't look at this as oh, he's a serial killer because he's a trans man. I looked at, or a trans woman, I looked at this and went, he's a fucking crazy serial killer who wants to make a skin suit out of people. His sexuality didn't come into the equation. He's just 
yeah, but that's because killer. we're looking at 2022 and we're 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 forward thinking men. But I genuinely believe that that's how this film was profiled and how it was written by Thomas Harris back in the day. I think that he was, I think that because of his inability to fulfil his needs, I think they were trying to insinuate is that is what has driven him to, which is wildly inappropriate and wrong. Yeah, but I do think that was the nature of, of the intention of this. Not necessarily the film, but the book itself. Yeah, I, I, I think you're kind of there with that. Also, we're in 2023. Thanks for taking us back a year, though. <sighs> we don't want to go back to the pandemic years, do we? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd rather not. I, I like being outside again. I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. a big fan of lockdown. Um, right, with all that being said, we open with the FBI training facility in Quantico, where we meet trainee Clary Starling, played by Jodie Foster, She's on an obstacle course, which when I was watching it, I was going, I could do that. I could do that. Um, I couldn't do that. (laughs) I think I could do that. Um, Fun fact, uh, that is actually an obstacle course at Quantico FBI training headquarters. That is actually a course they trained the FBI on in the 90s. Oh, that's cool. I wonder if she actually trained for it. Yes, she did vigorously. Wait till we get to fact. There's lots of FBI facts in facts this week. Cool. I feel like there would have been would yeah. be very relevant for him to put her through that kind of grueling process. I think. Yeah, and the FBI were heavily involved in this movie. Heavily. Really. Heavily, heavily. I'll explain later. I think because it showcases them as a profession so closely, I think they kind of have to be really, don't they? Yeah, probably not to the levels they are, but we'll get there. Um, she's met on the course by another FBI agent who tells her her boss Jack Crawford wants to see her. Now, Jack heads up behavioral science department, and he's got an interesting opportunity for her. He wants her to visit Dr. Hannibal Lecter and present him with a VICAP questionnaire form for him to fill in. And he bills this as kind of it's not even like it's an assignment. It's like, I need you to do me a favor. Yeah. And I think it's more uh, he wants to send her because she's kind of what Hannibal Lecter would want to see. But I think it's also that I'm not going to waste an agent. I'm just going to send a trainee because it's going nowhere. Yeah, I think he obviously clearly has ulterior motives using her to do the job, but he plays it down to her very dumbly. Like, I don't expect him to talk to you. This is a case of ticking boxes. Go in, do what you need to do, follow the script. And if he says nothing, excellent. If he says something, even better. But we don't expect results. Yeah, just just, just go and see the crazy guy. You'll be fine. Yeah, It's kind of, kind of how it's built. Now, she makes the connection that Buffalo Bill killings are happening and this could be linked to that. And she makes that in his office. She is a very well-equipped agent physically. They show you straight away and mentally. And they show you straight away she is a very capable character. And I love the fact they don't portray her as an idiot. No, she's she's very aware of her surroundings and every she picks up situations in the room very easily. And one of the greatest scenes that showcases that comes later on when they're in the car, which I'm sure we'll get to, and he asks her yeah. to assess the situation and she just reels off all this stuff. I'm like, wow. Yeah, yeah, she, she's really, really capable, really competent character. Um, just quick, her car is absolute dog shit. Um, I, I don't know if this was like before they assigned... FBI agents like company cars, but her car is an absolute heap. Yeah, but you, I think you, you're a student, aren't you? Yeah, you're a, yeah, you're a student with a shit car. Um, she heads to Baltimore State Hospital for the criminally insane. 
she arrives and she meets the slimiest guy in the world, Dr. Chilton. I fucking hate Dr. Chilton. Oh, he's like, do you need a guide around town? I could be your guide. Fuck off, you slimy yeah. old pervert. I fucking um, hate him. Yeah, and he's kind of leading her down into the maximum security area of the hospital, which is right in the basement. She handles this exchange better than most women in modern days would have punched this guy in the throat. And she she beats off his advances. She's like, if I'd have known it was a no, I wouldn't have bothered coming down here. And she's gone, but then I wouldn't have got the pleasure of your company for this lovely chat and walk. It's like, good for you. You made it. Oh, yeah, because Chilton Chilton thinks that he's coming down to be part of the interview. And she's like, oh, I'll take it from here. And then he starts getting really snotty with her, doesn't he? He's like, well. I wouldn't have walked all the way down here had I known this was a situation sort of thing. Yeah, and she immediately, you can see the cogs ticking in her brain. She's like, nope, turn on the charm. She starts flying with him in order to gain that level of privilege that she needs. Yeah. Like, very smart woman. Very, very clever. Um, she goes through a security checkpoint where she surrenders her weapon and she hangs up her coat and she's given the rules. Stay to the right. Do not approach the glass. Do not touch the glass. Do not give him anything except soft paper. Um, nothing is passed in and out of that cell unless it goes through the kind of like shutter box. And there is absolutely no exceptions to this because last time he faked a heart attack and we let him out. He pretty much massacred a female nurse. Yes. It's like, and we don't go into too much detail on this, but we get to see this scene in the uh, TV series. It's brilliant. Yeah. And we we see a photo. There's a, there's a photo that Chilton pulls out of his wallet to show like the mangled, face it's just like why is that in your wallet you i'm curious to know, why does he keep that in his wallet yeah i know it's like that that's where you keep like photos of your kids and stuff that <laughs> she just carries that around just like oh yeah by the way hannibal lecter he did this look at this yeah i wonder if he uses that as his child line when he's at the bars and stuff trying to hit on <laughs> underage women I, pervy, I pervy man yeah he there's a there's a there's a philip schofield element about him I knew there was a Philip Schofield line in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for drawing like, it out. Do of me. I say it? Do I say it? Oh no, I don't need to. Scott yeah. will get there eventually. <laughs> yeah, I, I got there. Um, she walks in and she has to go past three cells, one of which contains a man which is bouncing off the walls. Um, and he says that he can smell her lady parts, but he doesn't say it as nicely as that. She arrives at Hannibal's cell, and the impact of this scene's awesome. He is terrifying from the second you see him. He's just stood there and you watch him watch her walk down. And he just kind of stares at her as if to say, what the fuck do you want? Now, I want to say something on record now and go back on something that I've said on multiple episodes in the past. And I feel very, very silly for saying it. I have always said throughout my time on this show that Mad Mickelson is the greatest version of Hannibal Lecter. I haven't seen Silence of the Lambs in years and years and years, and it's because of this episode that I've watched it again recently. I want to retract my statement. Anthony Hopkins is the greatest, especially not so much in Hannibal, but we're not covering that episode today, but in Silence of the Lambs, (laughs) wow. Oh my God. As soon as this scene happened, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm wrong. I yeah. need to own up to my mistakes immediately. <laughs> and the thing is, at this point, he hasn't said a word. He hasn't even no. moved. He's just stood there. And instantly you go, yeah. Um, do you know, we almost got Sean Connery as Hannibal Lecter. A Scottish Hannibal Lecter. Can you imagine? 
<laughs> and this is how I escaped the rock. <laughs> I ate his fire, I mean, with some... <laughs> um, the two of them start off with some pleasantries and Lecter basically he, he's already prodded Sorry, us straight away I don't know that I told you man you need to watch out for this shit because they're coming for us yeah uh, anyone who didn't pick up on that my Alexa just spoke I've just muted her Shh. Um, <laughs> he asked her what, what the guy in the cell said to her and she does not miss a beat and she's like oh. He asked if he could smell my see you next Tuesday. He said he could smell my see you next Tuesday. I don't know why you're spelling it. We've already had one of our guests already yeah, say it today on this we, episode. We have, but I, I don't want to say it. Um, and then he sniffs through the hole in the glass. He's like, I can't smell it, but I can smell the moisturizer you're using. Also, you wear some perfume, but you've not put it on today. It's only faint. It's like, wow. And he knows the brand, the yeah. Avion brand of, of moisturizer that she uses. Yeah, and, and oh he knows God. the he knows the perfume brand as well. He's like both of them, and he just like sits there with kind of this smug, sinister smile. It's like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, then the conversation's going really, really well, and then she just kind of goes, "Anyway, I'm here to get you to fill this questionnaire in." And he's like, "Are you fucked that all up? We were having a lovely conversation, and you've ruined it. Why did you ruin it?" And this is when he mocks her for sounding like Heather. <laughs> I I knew this was coming and I wasn't going to be the one to go there. <laughs> no, I, I thought I'd get in there first. So he mocks her for having a Southern accent. Not too dissimilar to the message I read out earlier. All <laughs> very similar. Um, he's really harsh and you can see that it upsets Clarice. Clarice is like, because mm, he's like, I, I can see you, you're wearing a nice suit, but cheap shoes. You're probably the best in your family, a Southern girl from blah, blah, blah. And he literally just describes her whole life and how she's fought and she's like the best in her family. She's obviously got the best job, but she's still just really a country bumpkin at heart. And you're like, you yeah. bastard. It's like you're a stone throw away from being white trash and you're clearly trying to better yourself by getting a reputation as being an FBI agent. Yeah, it is really, I mean, it's really cold. Hard. It's very cold. Yeah, um, and he's kind of done with her now. He's like, anyway, this conversation's over. Thanks for coming. Um, as she leads, leaves, um, the wild cellmate um, slings cum in her face. This Me, is, I think he's called. It's disgusting. Yes. <laughs> It's, it lands in a fringe and uh, it's rank. It is, it, it's not good. It's, it's, it's awful. Absolutely awful. And in 91, this shocked a lot of people. There is no way in the world we would get this in a mainstream Oscar-winning movie today. This one, Best Picture at the Oscars. And rightly so. And rightly so. But this, the, you would not get that in an Oscar-nominated movie today. Fact. No. No, I don't think so. Um, Lecter is really pissed off by this. He's, this is kind of, it's offended him. It's upset yeah. him. And he calls her back and he tells her that she needs to find Hester Moffat. They may be able to help. That's one of his old patients. When she goes outside, she stands and cries by her car. And I, I think, fucking rightly so, I think I'd cry by my car if someone slung cum in my face. I would be finding the first toilet and sticking my head under a tap. It's just, it's just so not nice. It's like, if you sign up for that, if you're like into that and it's like a relationship thing or like an OnlyFans thing, yeah, great. I feel your boots, but not like from a random stranger. 
I don't think anybody's ever really into it, are they? Let's be I, honest. I, I, I don't. I always so. feel the guilt afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> what when you're wiping it from your chin? <laughs> um, Clarice is incredibly clever, as I said earlier. She works out that the name is not important at all. It's actually the phrase that Lecter used. She noticed it was kind of out of his usual way of speaking. And he said, look deep within yourself, Clarice. And this leads her to find yourself storage. Yes. Genius. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, and this is where we head next. But again, she... this is like, I, I feel this is more like a test from Lecter's part as well to test our capabilities. He's like, yeah. he can see something in her, but he's not sure whether she's good enough for him to invest his time in because it's clear that Hannibal Lecter has like patience for certain amount of things. And he's like, I want to give you this little bit because this shows no relevance to anything they've discussed or anything. Obviously no. we find out that that is going on within the plot of this film. And it's like, do this. If you crack this code and you manage to muster this together, we'll, we'll, we'll see again. where we go from then. And there, yeah. there is quite a long period of time in between these two situations because it's not until Crawford actually reminds her and he's like, the name he gave you. I mean, you can clearly tell a few days have passed since and she's done nothing with it. And it's like, oh, the name he gave you, have you done anything? She's like, oh, well, I followed a few leads and nothing really came of it. He didn't have any ex-patient. It wasn't after that interaction with Crawford until she realised and was like, maybe I should look into this a bit further. And then she starts putting it together and this discovers that it's an anagram for something and then yeah that obviously then leads her to where we go next yeah to your self-storage um she's met there by the owner of the storage facility which is mr burns from the simpsons <laughs> the only way i can describe him um she can't get the door open and his driver won't help because he won't do manual labor there's this big burly driver sat in his car just looking going struggling with that aren't you <laughs> Um, but she's not deterred at all. She goes and gets the jack from her car and jacks up the the storage unit. And she even gives him a business card and says, look, if this drops when I'm in there, don't fuck around because everyone knows I'm in there. Call that number and they'll come get me. Yeah. She's... Again, just showing initiative from her as a, as a person. Yeah, it's it's not the normal horror movie trope of, oh, I'm in. Let me go in. Locker shuts behind. It's a, I could go in here and get trapped. So here is my card. You have the ability to make a phone call. If I get trapped, phone someone, they'll come get me. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Always one, two, three, even ten steps ahead of every situation she's in. Yeah, always. Uh, it very much in it is very much mirrored in Hannibal Lecter. They have a very similar, they're always one or two steps ahead of everybody else around them. The sequel, Hannibal. No, 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 in this, Hannibal Lecter in this. Oh, right, apologies, sorry. His character is one or two steps ahead of everyone else apart from Clarice, and she is one or two steps ahead of everyone else as well. Yeah, it's like they're both interconnected on this same sort of playing field, and they're using everybody else around them as pawns at all times. Yeah, Um, once we get inside, we get a look at Lecter's collection, which includes a vintage vintage car, various art and sculptures. Um, The car's an old hearse that's covered with an American flag, pulls the flag off, climbs in the back, and she discovers a head in a jar um, that uh, belongs to Benjamin Raspale. Um, Practical effects, spot on. Looks like a head in a jar. I would believe it's a head in a jar. Now, I was surprised by her next step, so she goes straight from here, straight back to the asylum to see Hannibal. Yeah, she doesn't radio it in, does she? She goes straight to get answers from Lecter. 
yeah. this is in the middle of the night as well. <clears throat> yeah, and this is for me probably one of the most impactful scenes, and this establishes that Hannibal Lecter is fully in charge of this situation. So she sits on the floor, and Hannibal's cell is completely in darkness. You can kind of catch just like a glimpse of him, and it's so creepy. And she starts questioning him. And then, like, the post box opens, and Clarice reaches in, and he's given her a towel. He's like, I'm not... It's kind of almost like a... I'm not going to answer you till you've dried yourself off and you've calmed down a little bit. So there's a towel. You yeah, saw yourself... You mentioned out. that it was raining on her way into the... Oh, absolutely. Tipping it down. She's soaking wet. Yeah, she hasn't She hasn't been... She had come thrown at her again. <laughs> She's had to make her way past 16 cells to get to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we find out why she's not had come thrown on her, because the... Um, the lights come on, um, but before they come on, he's explaining that the man in the, or the head in the jar is not one of his victims. It was a fledgling killer, um, not too dissimilar to Buffalo Bill. He's basically, yeah, Buffalo Bill killed this guy. It's that <laughs> that cut and dry. But he's like, it was a fledgling killer, killer, and I kind of acquired it. It's like, hmm, okay. Yeah, he was an ex-patient of Lecter's. Buffalo Bill was, yeah. No, the guy, this, the the, this guy, guy was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this guy was a patient of Buffalo, um, of Lecter's, and he hadn't turned up for one of his appointments. And Lecter even makes a point of saying that he found it incredibly rude hmm. that he didn't turn up without notice. So he went to investigate, probably to eat him because he eats the rude. Yeah. Um, and then this is when he found the body, and he said rather than reporting it, he decided to keep it for a trophy. Yeah. And preserve it. Yeah, it's, it's finders keepers. Yeah, exactly. Um, this is where Lecter basically says, I can help you catch it. And I love the bait here. It's like, I know you want to be a great FBI agent. What a better way to be a great FBI agent than to work with one of the most notorious serial killers to catch the current most notorious serial killer. I'm offering you everything, but all I want is a room with a view. See, you're a true crime man. Buffalo Bill currently has five body counts at this stage. What level of kill count do you need to be considered notorious? He's there. He's there with five? With five in the quick succession, he's done it. He's he's there. Right. Um, It's really important to point out now that when the lights come on, so when you first see Hannibal Lecter's cell, it's covered in drawings and paintings and books and all the stuff that his creature comforts, they've all been taken away. And there's a TV that's playing like gospel, basically gospel, gospel church TV on a loop, which has been really loud until she come in. This is a punishment because Hannibal Lecter convinced the guy who threw cum at Clarice to kill himself by swallowing his own tongue. Yes. And this was as uh, as basically as as revenge for what he did to Clarice. What could you say to a guy to convince him to swallow his own tongue? That takes some serious convincing. I think it's just a point of proving how influential he is as a man with his mind games and his talents as a psychiatrist to be able to command that level of power over the human psyche. To get somebody to do that within a matter, this has been less than 24 hours. Yeah, he's no, done this. It hasn't. I do apologise. No, it's been, a, it's been, been three days. Yeah, it's been a couple of days. But in a couple of days, he's convinced him to off himself because of what he done was offensive and rude. Yeah, just by talking to him through a brick wall. 
Yeah. Is is it too much to say we need more Hannibal Lecters in the world? No, not at all. I'm no. a big fan of this guy's work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we now cut and we see the world through night vision goggles. And we see, shall I call her a, a, a fuller-figured lady? Uh, kidnapped. Um, now, she is kidnapped in a way that is ripped off in the black phone. It's a guy who's, oh, can you help me? Can you help me? Yeah. And she comes over to help, and she ends up shoved in the back of a van. Uh, this is also stolen from Ted Bundy. This is how Ted Bundy kidnapped people. Yeah, he used uh, to be on crutches with all sorts of ailments. Yeah, and the story of Silence of the Lambs is actually inspired by, or the book was inspired by an FBI agent who interviewed Ted Bundy to help catch the Green River Killer. <sighs> I've always been curious about the Green River Killer, but I've never actually looked into it. I've seen lots of like films and documentaries and stuff pop up about him, but I, I know very, very little. Yeah, so Bundy to- helped catch him. Yeah, kind of. He, he, he gave them insight very much in the same way that Hannibal Lecter gives insight in this. Ah, so that's cool. Yeah, really so Thomas cool. Harris has drawn inspiration from actual real-life events from... in order to write this. Yes. Yeah, so it... in essence, Hannibal Lecter is Ted Bundy in a way. Kind of, yeah, just more polite and a nicer human being all round. Less, really. less rapey. <laughs> Much less rapey. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we always laugh at the word rapey? It's not uh, a laughing matter. I think it's just the fact you normally pull rapey out of nowhere. We'll be talking about like, butterflies and you'll go, yeah, well, that's rapey. Um, uh, we cut back to Quantico where we see Crawford tells Clarice to accompany him to Buffalo Bill's latest crime scene. On the mini little plane ride there, we get Clarice deliver her profile. Um, she is incredibly proficient with this. So, so well adapted. And this scene on the plane has been mirrored and copied for 20 seasons on Criminal Minds. The profile is delivered on a plane in the same way and has been since the very first episode. <laughs> really? I've never yeah. seen Criminal Minds. <laughs> it is literally, it's this scene... But someone different delivers the profile every week. <laughs> For 20 seasons. <laughs> 20 seasons. And there's 22 or 24 episodes per season in that show. So if I just watched the first episode, I pretty much know it all. Yeah, it's actually quite good. They refer to lots of real serial killers. It's, a, it's quite an interesting series, but we're not talking about that. Moving on. <laughs> um, her profile is spot on. She gets age, race, height, type of killer. The fact he's getting better, he's never going to stop. Um, it, it, she's so accurate with this. The thing um, that really mesmerised me about this scene in particular is the fact that she doesn't just say all of these things. She gives reasoning on why she's come to that assumption. Yeah. So like a lot of cases when you have stuff like this happen in films, a lot of people be like, oh, he's a white male, he's six foot six, he's done this, he's got mummy issues, right, right. And it's like, but why? But whereas she's like, oh, he's got mummy issues because of this, 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 he's had this sort of childhood, or he's had... Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Like, without yeah. going into too much into specifics, he can't. She she gives background on everything she's trying to explain. Yeah, and she gives like, context. So, yeah, she gives proper context to what she's trying to say and justifiable reasons, which all make logical sense when she says them out loud. But so, the kind of assumptions someone such as Neanderthals as me and you would never really <laughs> get to. 
Yeah, I, no, mean, no, that's, I say that I say that more on my own behalf. You have a very successful true crime investigative podcast. I, <laughs> I would never make these kind of assumptions. <laughs> we, we do where I am just a voice in the background and Heather takes all the intelligent decisions on that show. <laughs> well, while you two work your magic, I'm the guy in the background that's trying to push the red button that says do not press on it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, 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 when they arrive, they arrive at a coroner's office and it's in a small little sort of backwater town um there's cops everywhere and this is like a coroner's office slash funeral home and the full funeral in full swing as well um crawford says to the sheriff that they're gonna talk alone due to the sexual nature of these crimes he doesn't want to talk in front of clarice it's like oh that's that's so wrong and i knew what he was doing at the time and i was still like you're an asshole yeah, and she even calls him out for it in a later scene and says, I know what you were doing. You were trying to gain authority by belittling me, but I just want you to know what you did wasn't right. Yeah. And he and, fully accepts it and apologizes. He's like, yeah, yeah and, you're right. And fucking good for her because he leaves her stood in like a lobby area with about 20 local cops eating donuts, staring at her. Yeah, and they're all so, looking at her as if to say, female. Girl. <laughs> How dare you, girl? Um, in a police vicinity what is this eventually they're all in the autopsy room and bill's laces victim is there clarice here is great she commands the room commands the scene she's like look i'm sure the family appreciate everything you've done but basically fuck off now i need to do my work um this scene is graphic where they show the body they show the, the back of the body and they show that She's she's uh, it's just not very nice. And like Clarice is again being really clever, going, she's not a local girl. She's got glittery nail polish. That's not that wouldn't happen here. She's from out of town. Yeah, um, she's got multiple ear piercings. Something like that would not happen in a small town. She would be banished. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't do that down these parts. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you sound like you're from Cornwall, not from <laughs> Southern America. <laughs> uh, could Cornwall, Southern America, they're kind of the same. Um, they're taking photographs of the body and they find the the big diamond patches that have been cut out of her back. Um, When they roll her over, they also find a cocoon in her mouth. Uh, Fun fact, the person on the bed was actually a person. Do you know what, man? And I was going to ask, because every single time I watch this film, I'm like, you are incredibly still. Yeah, it is. Somebody... because it focuses on her face for such a long period of time as well, while they're ruffling around inside her mouth. I'm like, that is either incredibly well done prosthetics for the time period this film came out in, or that is a real person who is incredibly still. And I was like, maybe it's the way they're holding her face so she can't physically blink or move. No, she, while... she's she's a real person. Also, the thing that they pull out of the back of her throat, they actually put it in the back of her throat and pulled it out with tweezers. Um, it was it was made of sweets. Incredible gra- gag reflex. It's well done to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lucky guys. <laughs> or girls, who knows? Um, um, but one thing I wanted to address in this as well is she makes the discovery that he's picking out these women based on them being slightly oversized for purpose yeah. reason that he's then going to capture them and starve them in order for the skin to be more stretchy, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, to, to basically give slack on the material he needs. We don't know he's making a skin suit at this point. Spoiler, no. he is. <laughs> um, 
And this is where they leave. That when they get back on the, in the car, this is where Clarice calls him out, basically going, "You're an arsehole for what you've done yeah. to me there." And yeah. he, he, as you say rightly, he just goes, "Yep, yeah, sorry, yeah, shouldn't have done it." And instantly he's like, "Yeah, I know." Um, have you seen the Hannibal TV series? Yes. Crawford, who's your Crawford? I'm not really warming to this. I know you're not supposed to necessarily warm to him, but I don't particularly like this version of Crawford. And it wasn't until we'd seen the Hannibal Lecter TV series. But Lawrence Frischbad is Jack Crawford, man, through and through. Yeah, I mean, they're both good and they've both got very unique takes. I mean, we nearly had Gene Hackman in this, so let's let's just... Really? Yeah, let, let, let's be thankful for small miracles with what we got. Oh, that would have been awful. <laughs> it would have been terrible. Yeah, that um, would have been really, really bad. I'll get to it in facts, but yeah, Gene Hackman owned the rights for this when it was made. Is that why they didn't do Red Dragon first? Uh, no, he wanted to do this, so he bought the rights for this. But we'll, we'll get to that in facts because there's there's lots of battles over who owns the rights and who should own the rights, and which is still an ongoing battle today. Hence, why the TV series couldn't do Silence of the Lambs; they could only do. So yeah. far into the story. Uh, yeah. Um, back at Quantico, Clarice tells, uh, takes the, the cocoon, the chrysalis, whatever you want to call it, to uh, a couple of her friends. Um, this is like, I don't know, it's like the weird dungeon basement of a museum. And the guy with the wonkiest eyes in the world, <laughs> I, I, I shouldn't call him out on it, but my God, I don't know if he's looking at me or looking away from the camera. And I mean, he, fair play to the guy, though. Oh, he hits on Clarice like there is no tomorrow. This guy has got no worries with his self-esteem whatsoever, and good for him. But I looked at him and went, where are you looking? Are you looking at me? Are you looking over there? Are you looking at Clarice? You're looking at her ass and her boobs and her thighs all at the same time. <laughs> How we don't get in more trouble, I'll never know. Hey, um, this is on you, man. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not making fun of wonky eyes. No. No, not not at all. Um, <laughs> her friends identify this as a death head hawk moth uh, and tell her it's not native to the US. It's only found in certain regions in the Far East. In reality, these moths migrate to Europe, the US, and in certain seasons can be found off coastal regions of the United Kingdom, including Cornwall. Oh, cool. I have yeah. a tie with that from this film, actually. I don't know if you can see that. Oh, yes. Yeah, cool. This is great. That that works so well in a podcast medium. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Yeah, you can call that now. I just wanted to, to brag. No, no I, th- I think what you need to do is send me a photo of it and I'll add it to the episode release day so everyone can at least see your tattoo, which is very oh, cool. Okay, yeah, well, we'll give a bit of context. Um, as this discovery is made, it is revealed that Bill has kidnapped his latest victim. It's the daughter of Senator Ruth Martin. And we get our first real look at Bill and his setup that he's got with this girl. She's down a well, and this is where we get the, it puts the lotion on its skin, or it gets the hose again. This is terrifying. This guy is fucking nightmare-inducing. Yeah, and I really like this scene for multiple reasons. I think Ted Levine is, is it Levine? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's an incredible, credible actor, and we have seen him in everything. Films like you wouldn't think he was in, he's actually in, but you don't realise it's him. He's that kind of actor. Um, 
and I spent most of my like youth growing up seeing him in everything and be like, oh, that's that guy, and then not being able to associate the fact that it was actually him playing Buffalo Bill. He, he looks so different in this to everything else he usually plays. He usually plays like an older cop sergeant or like a grumpy guy in the office. Yeah, and he's arguably the best actor in this movie. He is, but I have big issues with him in this film, and it's not because of him as an actor, because this scene in particular showcases how talented he is by when she's in the well and he's trying to get her to put the lotion on and she's crying for her mum. You can clearly see how distressed he is by her emotion. Yeah, to, to the point sure, that he, he snaps and says, put the fucking lotion on your skin. Yeah, yeah. then he clearly just breaks. Because you can see him like wincing and pulling away like emotionally, like, oh my God, what am I doing? To the point where eventually, he's, we've all had those moments ourselves where you get like that upset with yourself that you just feel pure rage and just lash out. And you can see that in this, and, th- and that's just a great showcase of his talents. But one thing I find really, really hard with this character in this film is, He's always constantly overshadowed by Lecter. And I never, ever find him as a, as a threat because of how threatening Lecter always is. He's always that presence in the background. So when yeah. they're trying to make him out to be this sort of nightmarish figure, I just never feel it knowing that Lecter's only a couple of scenes away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because let's be honest, put him and Lecter in a room, there's only one person walking out of that room and it's not Buffalo Bill. And Lecter probably wouldn't even have to get up out of his chair. No, convince Bill to do it himself. Exactly. Um, with the knowledge that the senator's daughter has been captured, um, Crawford gives Clarice permission to offer a fake deal to Lecter to get information to try and save the senator's daughter. She visits Lecter and offers him the deal. And she's like, you get a view. And you also get to go to a beach once a year or once a month. And you get to swim in the ocean. Anthrax Island. Uh, Anthrax Island. Do you think Lecter knew this? I think Lecter knew this deal was bullshit and it was all just part of his plan. All he wants is to be moved because when he's moved, he knows he can get out. Yes, I think he knows this is a ploy. He knows he's not going to be given those kind of luxuries based on his previous... They're not going to move him out of any sort of cell in order to... He knows that if he agrees to this and then... And I also think that he knows Shilton's probably listening into this conversation hence he he's strategically planned this whole outcome so he knows shilton's listening in which case he agrees to which case shilton then comes in and says because doesn't shilton then contact the senator yeah so this is where we get the um we get the this is where the quick pro quo comes from where she asks a question he asks a question um and he asks uh about her childhood and she says that she she grew up on a farm after her parents died and he's like and what made you leave the farm was it a sneaky uncle she's like no no it was nothing like that and she kind of bats the question away and where she does that he's like i'm gonna help you but it it kind of it it comes to an end he's like well i'm gonna help you but we're kind of done for today now this is where we find out that chilton has been recording these messages or these meetings and he calls the senator and goes, I can't believe you made a deal with the FBI for Lecter to help. And the senator's like, what? Ah, uh, yes. Senator's like, yeah. what, what are you on about? And then he goes, well, I tell you, I can make a deal because I can get the information out of Lecter. And it's like, you slimy bastard. 
yeah, he's a he's a prick. He is a slithery little snake, and I do not like him for one second. However, I just want to just make a call back to that interaction with the quick pro between Lecter and um, Starling, and this scene in particular highlights why this film won an Oscar for best motion picture. This cinematography used in this scene in particular, we get quite a lot of scenes throughout this film that feature point of view camera perspectives and they're done so subtly that you don't even realize that it's point of view perspective the one that the earlier ones in the scene is where you feature Starling in the gym she's training and um crawford someone comes in and says oh crawford's coming for you and you get the camera moving as if it's foster's perspective looking around the gym and you see the camera walk off but it's this scene where it really focuses on it and i just sat there in amazement throughout the whole conversation between the two of them because you see Lecter sat on his bed when Clarice Starling comes in. She sits in the chair in front of him. They begin talking. And then you see the camera rise up as if it's Lecter standing up in his chair. And then the yeah. camera slowly moves towards the glass screen in which Clarice is sat. And you get Lecter's reflection appear in the glass. Yeah. And you can see that you are then looking from Lecter's eyes as he's come closely to the glass and you see his reflection closely appear as he's coming towards it. And I was just like, wow, that is just... And it does it quite a lot throughout this film. You get it throughout multiple scenes, but it, it's just done so subtly that you don't even realise it until you're actually paying attention to these kind of things. And when I watched it back on this watch this time, and I was actually doing it from a critical standpoint and I was paying attention to these kind of things, I was like, wow, that was one of the most amazing and subtle things I think I've seen done in cinema in a long time. Yeah, and the other thing they do in this shot wise that is exceptional i know that there's been articles written on this and, and all sorts is when it is a male character on the screen talking to carice they stare straight down the camera as if they're staring at you the audience to put you in clarice's shoes and when it is clarice looking at the screen she's never looking at you directly Oh, that's really cool. That makes me want to go back and watch it again just to watch that now really cool and it's kind of like if you watch it and then you notice it, you kind of see the world through her eyes where everyone is staring at her. So like the bit in the mortician's office, every single man stares straight down the barrel of the camera, straight at the audience. Lecter yeah. does it all the time. Chilton does it whenever he's face on camera, right down the lens. It's like, wow, you'll stare at Clarice way too much. It's just mesmerizing though, at how subtly clever this is filmed. It really, really is. It, it is. It's exceptionally well filmed, without a question. It's one of the best shot movies ever made. Yeah. Take horror out of it, just ever. Yeah. So this is where we get Chilton comes down to Lecter's cell, and Lecter's kind of strapped to the board, and he can't go anywhere, and he's got the... He hasn't got the iconic mask, but he's got a plastic mask across his face, and he offers Lecter the deal that he's done, and he's basically like... You're going to dance for me. You're going to be my little dancing monkey and make me look great. I'm going to get you a room with a view. That's the deal. It's the only deal available to you. And Lecter agrees and he gives him a first name that says he'll only share the, sec the surname with the senator directly. And this begins the transport of Lecter from Baltimore State Hospital to Tennessee. The amount of security when he comes off the plane is insane. It's like yeah. a scene from the fast and the furious. There is fucking SWAT teams <laughs> everywhere. Um, 
they wheel him out on the board and he's now got the the brown mask with the the bite yeah. protector across his face. The synonymous lector mask that we all know and love. Yeah. Um I find it strange that that mask is so iconic in a two hour plus movie. It's on his face for fucking three, three minutes. Max. <laughs> Maximum three minutes. Um, he gives the name willingly. It's Lewis friend. And he doesn't say much else. Um, Lecter is this again, this, this, this makes me feel like what you said earlier about him knowing that this is all a ploy. Yeah. Because she goes, the senator comes over and offers him terms, and he's like, "Save your terms. Your daughter's life is more important. I'm a. I believe you'll stick to your word. I will tell you everything you need to know, and we will talk logistics afterwards." And this is when he goes off on his rant. Yeah, and this is when he's he's really vicious here, and it's the first time you see Lex be really nasty, and he's saying that twins when one of them dies or gets hurt the other one can feel the ache or the pain and he's gone was your daughter breastfed i wonder what part of you will ache when she dies it's like oh fucking hell lector and he's like are your nipples hard madam yeah (laughs) (laughs) but he does it in such a charismatic way and it's like oh yeah and then she's like i'm done and as he gets wheeled off he then spouts off fucking loads of facts description where the last time he saw him literally everything and then he's gone one last thing senator nice suit i love this line (laughs) it's like he just has to have the last little dig and like you even though he's wearing a mask you know he's smiling yeah but obviously they can't transport him back immediately no he goes to security cell yeah and the security cell is basically a cell in the best way to describe it is like a school hall but it's in a building so the, the third level of a building there's a cell in the middle of a room that he can't basically he's surrounded he can't get out they can see him from all angles there's nowhere for him to hide um and this is where Clarice arrives because obviously this deal's been done under her lecter's been whisked away and she sneaks in to see lecter and she brings his drawings. And this is where we get more of their quid pro quo. And he's like, you lied to me last time you were here. And she's gone, and you lied to them. Because the name you gave Lewis Friend is an anagram of iron sulfide, which is fool's gold. And Lecter just kind of smiles. He's like, yeah, all right, fair point. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he's like, well, now I've told you the truth. You need to tell me the truth. And she says that when she was a child, she was staying with her aunt and uncle and she heard a noise at night and it was screaming. So she went to investigate and it was lambs being slaughtered. So she took a lamb and she ran off into the night and Lecter's like, and the screaming of the lamb still haunts you, doesn't it? Which is why you need to catch Buffalo Bill because you want to stop the lambs from screaming. It's like, silence the lambs. Silence the... He doesn't say it, and I'm glad they didn't get him to say it. I'd have been disappointed. Anyone who says the movie title in the movie, I'm kind of like, oh, don't do that. <laughs> but again, like, it's such a cool title for a film because it's such a subtle subject in the in the actual story. Like, you, you, this conversation takes place over a 40-second period. And like you said, this is a three-hour movie, and it's like, well, two-hour-plus movie, and it's... yeah. It, it, it really holds no bearing on the actual story. No, but as soon as you get to this scene, like if, if you don't know why it's called this, as soon as you get here, you go, ah, that's cool. 
It's it's re- it's one of those things that I love in a movie where you get to point and you go, "That's great, well done." Yes. So so much thought and effort went into making that work. You've done such a good job, bravo. <laughs> it's it's almost like a you want to stand up and give a clap. Yeah. You nailed that. Well done. Yeah. Well done. You. Like 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 that moment in Home Alone when you realise he's home alone. Yeah. Yeah, that, exactly that. <laughs> Moving on. Um, this is where Dr. Chilton arrives and he's basically they're manhandling Clarice out. They're escorting her out. Um, did you spot the cameo here? Big cameo. Oh, no. George A. Romero is one of the security guards. No fucking way, is he? Yeah, he is. Is he really? <laughs> yeah, he's one of the security guards on screen for about three seconds. That's amazing. Now I definitely am going to go back and watch this again tonight. <laughs> uh, as they're dragging her out, she's demanding Lecter tells her the, the truth. And he's like, everything you need to know is in the case file. And she rushes across and takes the case file from Lecter and then she's taken out. I love this scene as well because they linger on because it's being so apparent throughout this whole film, like, do not touch Lecter, do not go near the glass because if he gets hold of you, that's it. You're fucking dead meat, basically. Yeah. And as she grabs the case file from his hand, you can see him gently stroke her finger. Yeah. She's basically saying, if he wanted to, she is dead. But he yeah. has this thing for her, and they have this mutual connection that that's... I think it's a mutual respect. I yeah, think, it's a I very think... powerful scene. I, I don't know how subtly it's done as well. I'm like, ah, that's that's really good. Yeah, I, th- I think it's at this point, when she comes in and goes, it was fool's gold, fool, fool's gold you motherfucker, he kind of goes... Yeah, well done. I respect you. You're a very clever, very, very clever lady. Yeah. I I think that was the point. Uh, We now reach my favourite part in the entire movie. It's what I was waiting for the first time I watched it, and it's what I wait for every single time. We get to see what Hannibal Lecter is actually capable of. So earlier, he stole the pen off of Dr. Chilton when they were getting off the plane, Um, and he's got a part of this pen palmed in his hand. Two guards approach the cell and they tell him to sit down, put his hands through the bars and they cuff him with the bars, with his hands through the bars. He can't go anywhere. They come in and they're going to put his dinner down on the table. He's like, "Uh, not on the drawings, please. So they stop and they put it on the floor and then they turn their back on Lecter. And as soon as they turn their back, you're like, you're fucked. (laughs) (laughs) It's all over for you. Um, Lecter comes to life at pace he jumps up, he bites one of their faces and then beats the other one to death with his baton, with his own yeah. baton. It's like, oh, and like as he's doing it, he's he's wearing white and like you get the splatter and you can see he Lecter's really taking pleasure in yeah. the fact that he's killing this guy who's actually been really nice to him. To the beat of the classical music playing in the background as well, it's very haunting. Yeah, Um so the police in the building realise things have gone bad when they see the elevator move. And the elevator comes from three and it goes up to five. And then it starts coming back down to three again. And they're like, what the fuck's going on? No one's up there. Then they hear a gunshot. And the guy in charge, great, he's like, lock down the building, put a 10-mile block outside of this building. No one gets in. No one gets out. Get up there and sort it out. Um I love what they do here. I absolutely love it. So they go up to the third floor and they go into the room. And this is where we see one of the guards has been effectively filleted 
and strung up with like the Star Spangled Banner bunting to the side of the cell. Very cool. Very, very cool. Uh, one of the other guards is on the floor and his face is all cut up and they lead in and go, he's breathing, he's breathing. The paramedics come in and they start treating the, the guy on the floor. They get him down in the lift. And as they're coming down on the lift, they see blood dripping onto the guard from the roof of the lift. And they're like, we think he's on the roof. So they get the paramedics, wheel the guy out, and you've got like 30 cops with their guns pointed at the at the hatch to the elevator. <laughs> um, but before they do that, they send like two guys up a couple of floors and open the lift shaft and they can see a body laying on the top and they shoot it in the leg to see if it's alive. It's very, very clever. And this whole time, this everything's playing out. You're just like, what is going on? Obviously, from a first-time watch point of view, I would love to go back and watch this film again, having no idea or never having read the book to know yeah. how this plays out. Yeah, I mean, th- this is awesome. And like, they open it and the guy swings down. And the guy who swings down is the security guard. And instantly I went, oh, Lecter cut up his own face. And then it cuts to the ambulance and you see Lecter peel off the face he's cut off the other guard. And, Brilliant. Oh, it's absolutely outstanding. And the best prison escape ever. Yeah. I include prison break in that. Yeah, I, I include it too. <laughs> wouldn't it be a wouldn't it have been a cool addition to prison break? Michael Schofield just cut Bellick's face off and wore it as a mask. <laughs> no, I was thinking stick Hannibal Lecter in the same prison they're in and have him as a character. <laughs> <laughs> we need Lecter to help us. <laughs> yeah, I don't think their morals are on the same path for you. <laughs> no, I really don't. Um, this is one of the best escapes. It's also one of the best movie fake-outs. If you've not seen this, this fake-out, you do you have a, a mind-blowing moment when he peels that face off. It's like, Wah! Yeah, and I know this how this plays out, but every single time I watch it, I'm like, Fuck, that is so cool. So I like where this goes next as well, because we now get kind of two investigations and we flick between them. So you've got Clarice has discovered that one of the victims knew Bill and she's kind of working down that case file and tracking the case that way. And she's done this because she found something that Lecter had written in one of the um, case files. Yeah. And, And this was just enough to spur her going oh, shit, so he must know that person. It leads her down one path. The FBI are following base leads based on what Lecter told the senator, and they're kind of both heading in the same direction. Uh, we see Clarice interview people in the town, and we get the FBI team sort of turning up with SWAT, and they've got, like, a guy who's, like, carrying flowers, and it just every time it reminds me of the game Hitman. <laughs> Uh, so he's carrying flowers, and then, yeah, you, you then cut to the senator's kidnapped daughter who's down in the well, and she's trying to use a rope with a bone tied on it, and she manages to drag Precious, who's Bill's dog, Poodle, horrible dog, don't like it, um, drags that down in, into the well with her. Um, we also get, this is the scene where Bill is doing his makeup, and he's doing the, I'd fuck me, I'd fuck me. Yes, to... Um... Dancing Horses, is it? Yes. Goodbye, Horses. Sorry about Dancing Horses. 
I'm not too sure. Susan Boyle did a banging cover it though. I remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we now get the um, the dancing, which is incredibly similar to Mark's dancing for recommended account of the week. The tuck is included. <laughs> Should I do a talk? <laughs> We've we every single male listening to this podcast at one point or another has tucked their junk between their legs, stood in front of a mirror and gone, Ooh, I'm a lady. <laughs> every single one. You included. I've never done that in my you life. You lying bastard. <laughs> <laughs> um, now I, I hate seeing dogs hurt in movie, but as far as I'm concerned, this dog is an accessory to murder and deserved all it got. It's a dog, man. Leave it alone. It's a poodle. I'm not a fan of poodles. No, uh, I'm not either. Uh, anyway, Bill loses his shit that his dog is down in the well. And he kind of, he's going to get a weapon. And then you see the doorbell ringing, which triggers an alarm in the basement. And you see that as SWAT burst in and you're like, oh my God, oh my God. And not for a single second did I think they weren't in the right place the first time I watched this. No, I didn't either. But you get this has been done so many times. But I have to feel this was the first place it was where you yeah. get that contrasting element of the two locations. Do, do you, and know, you another, don't know which one it is? Another movie where that was stolen. Uh, the Black Phone. Of course, yes. Yeah, exactly. Literally, <laughs> exactly the literally a mirrored scene, um, and they burst in. And it's in the wrong place, and the person at the door is actually Clarice, and. He invites her in and she's asking about the person who lived there and he's playing it really cool. And he's like, oh, no, but the, the brother lived here. I've got his business card somewhere and he's fumbling. And like she's asking about He's like, oh, is it about that girl? And I love the fact that he he obviously knows about the girl. And he's like, oh, was she a thicker set lady? And he can't help himself. And he's kind of like sniggering to himself as well. Yeah. Like, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> um Clarice, all she had to do here, because she twigs, she realises, she sees the moths, she's like, fuck, I'm yeah. I'm in trouble here. All she had to do was go outside and call for backup, but instead she pulls her gun. The thing is, though, if she'd have gone outside for backup, would he have taken that opportunity to kill the senator's daughter? I don't know. I, I, don't, I think she had a little bit of time, but anyway, um, she pulls the gun, they have a little bit of a gunfight, and this leads to Bill running off into the basement, I love the way that he runs off and like drops the cards behind his back as a flutter as he sneaks through the door. (laughs) (laughs) It's very the only thing that's missing. He didn't go ha 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 as he ran away. (laughs) I'm free. Uh, I love when she gets down in the basement. You've got the girl or the senator's daughter is going wild. Save me, save me. She's like, look, I'm the FBI. I'm gonna save you, but I have to leave you for just a minute. And this girl's like, you bitch. Do not yeah. fucking leave yeah, me. Yeah, she loses it, doesn't she? <laughs> Do not leave me in this fucking world. She's like, look, I have to. Yeah. And she goes off, and this is where the lights go out, and we get a, a callback to when you saw him using the night vision earlier. Yes. This scene is brilliant. I mean, he's he's right behind her, and then he's in front of her, and there's like a point he almost strokes her face, and you're like, oh. Oh, it's, so, it's awful as fuck, isn't it? You can't help, but you, every time you're just like, Oh, don't touch it, don't touch it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then he pulls the, the, the gun back t- to cock the gun. And yeah, that... which is a perfect callback to the scene earlier where she's doing the FBI trials. She's like, you didn't check your blind spot. Yeah. And then you, you, you see the gun click, and within a split second, she sort of just turns, shoots, and drops to the floor. 
Oh, she, if you she avoid any array of bullets. It's like training at its finest. She she goes full Loomis. She empties fucking six into him, and he's clearly dead, spitting blood on the floor. And she's reloading to go again. And a part of me was like, "Yeah, fuck it, go again." Yeah, and she she's like, "Fucking, you're you're dead now." It's it's really really good. And this is when the rest of the FBI arrive. Yes. And we cut to her being walked safely out of the house. And the senator's daughter takes a fucking poodle with her. Well, do you not? That's the rule, isn't it? If you're kidnapped by a serial killer and you escape, you get their dog. I would that's... kill the dog. <laughs> Every and time I don't you... condone killing dogs. <laughs> Fuck that dog. <laughs> do you want a treat? Do you want a treat? Remember that time you kept me in a well? Fuck you. <laughs> but that, you wouldn't want to take that home as a keepsake, would you? That's just going to be like flashbacks to the time he was captive by a serial killer and his evil dog yeah called precious which is now your evil dog called precious <laughs> which has now been renamed well dog <laughs> uh, we jump cut forward buffalo jump... jill buffalo jill uh, we jump forward which i can only imagine is a couple of months and we see clarice graduate and we then get like the after party of the graduation and there's lots of like glad handing. And there's a really good moment with her and her mentor and his name's escaped me, Ch- not Chilton. Jack Crawford. Jack Crawford, where Jack Crawford kind of just acknowledges that like, well done. I always well, saw something in you. Well done. The amount of times I've seen this film, why are the book guys there? Because they're part of that institute so i'm guessing she's invited them as her friends as they helped her solve the case all oh, right okay i'm guessing they're her guests um she gets a call while she's at this dinner uh this party uh and she takes it and it's dr Lecter. i love this call so much this Favorite is part of the film for me he is at his finest here he's like oh congratulations on your graduation um I'm not going to come after you, Clarice, and I would hope that you extend me the same courtesy. And she's like, I can't do that. He's like, oh, well, I understand. Anyway, can't chat. I'm having an old friend for dinner. And it pans back. And as it pans back, he's somewhere abroad somewhere. and in like He's in a Jamaica. Little, he's in Jamaica. And mm-hmm. as it pans back and spins round, you see Dr. Chilton get out of a van. And it's like, oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, there is an alternative ending to this that they, or not an alternative, an extended ending to this that they cut, but you can find it if you look hard enough. So All in right. the in the extended version of this, you see this scene, and then it cuts to a room with Dr. Chilton strapped to a chair, and Hannibal Lecter picks up a blade and goes, so doctor, where would you like to begin? Perfect. I would have and liked that. They deemed it was too dark for the movie so they cut it yeah because in the to be fair this is pretty similar to how it ends in the book and then in the follow-on book hannibal chilton is just registered and missing even yeah. though it's rumored that hannibal has killed him yeah but we get a very different take to chilton in the tv series in the tv series he is incorporated into the red dragon mythology and he is has his lips bitten off and his face half eaten by Francis Dollarhide, who is the Red Dragon, and then is later set fire to in a wheelchair. Yes. I can't remember who actually plays that role in the book. I think it's 
um, Loomis, the journalist who takes that role in the book, in yeah. the TV series, it's, it's Chilton who takes on that persona in the Red Dragon. Yeah, and I hope at some point we get the sequel to this movie on the show. I'd love to do Hannibal on this show because I love Hannibal, unapologetically love Hannibal. Fantastic. Best, best. I, I can't argue that case anymore after watching this film again recently because this is the perfect encapsulation of Thomas Harris's work. So but I what watched... they do in that TV series is just astoundingly good. No, no, no. Hannibal the movie. I want to get Hannibal the movie on this show. We don't oh. do TV series. Oh, no, because I have made it graves with fucking Julianne Moore. She is not Clarice Sterling for me. No, she's not. But Hannibal Lecter still Hannibal Lecter. Anyway, let's find out what everyone else thinks of this. Inf- well, I think it's time for three-word review. Yeehaw! Uh, we've got the coolest account name in the world, Blood Splatter Chatter. Cool. Uh, fire as fuck. Uh, they're an art lover and horror fan. Uh, we've got Myers Girl Red Run, Bill Skins Fifth, uh, and they're a, a pro Halloween queen. And that's the um, the headline that you see first in the office right at the very beginning. Then you see it stuck up on the wall in Bill's house as well. It's a newspaper clipping that says yes. Bill Skins Fifth. Uh, Tinkerbuff, Hot and Heavy. And they're a horror cosplay account. Lady Crisis, I'd Fuck Me. <laughs> Uh, and she's the TikTok queen. Uh, Narcotic Casserole 25. This is horror, question mark. Now, a horror account. Now, this is a question that's brought up a lot. I'm going to address it now. Whenever a horror movie is so good that it appeals to the wider audience, it kind of slips into more than just being a horror movie. Everyone asks that question. This yeah. movie is about a serial killer who kidnaps and kills people. A hundred percent, this is as a horror movie as a horror movie can be. Yeah, just because this is more digestible to a wider audience doesn't mean it's stripped of its title of being a horror film. Yeah, and this I've was seen... written as a horror as a uh, horror novel, and it it's played as a horror film. And it's a horrific film, and I, it, I see it, so many people go, "It's a thriller." It's like mm. no. How many thrillers have you seen where someone bites someone's face off, skins their face and wears it as a mask? Show me those thrillers because I've not seen them. I've seen horror films less tame than this that are still categorised as straight up horror films. Sharknado being one of them. (laughs) If Sharknado classifies as a horror movie, Silence of the Lambs definitely is a horror movie. I just think that's a wild statement to make that this is a thriller. I literally, I listened to a podcast yesterday um, and they weren't actually reviewing this, but this come up in conversation and they were like, well, we don't talk about that because it's not horror. And I was like, whoa, wow. take, take a step back. I think you'll find yeah. it is. Too right. I'll argue that to the end of the earth, man. This is as straight up horror as horror gets. Yeah. Come at us. If you think this is a thriller, come at us. We'll, we'll come back. Yeah. <laughs> The forensics that come to take the photo of the the body um, and the corpse, you know, you said how good that looks. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there is one point in this where they're touching the face um, and they didn't cut it out. It's right at the end of the shot. The corpse blinks. Oh, man, I looked so hard as well because I was so convinced it it's, wasn't actual person. It's like right at the end of the shot, just as they're about, it's like half panned off screen and there's a blink. <laughs> so, Oh. Um, 
Agent Stalin, when she first interviews Hannibal Lecter, she's wearing coloured nail polish when she sits down. When she gets out to her car, it's not there anymore. And everyone has considered this an error. It's not. This is to show that she went to the bathroom and washed and scrubbed so vigorously after getting cum on her face that she cleaned her nail polish off. It's not an error. Oh, that's pretty cool. Really cool. Say, and, that seems like a really minor thing to pick up on in a film like this. And something that's so subtle as well. Um, so Hannibal Lecter mocks Clarice for sounding like Heather. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've already said it once. I may as well double down. Um, now, that was not in the script. That was ad-libbed on the spot. Her reaction is genuine because she was genuinely pissed off she felt like he had personally gone after her she was fuming um, she's very southern isn't she yeah um afterwards thanked him for making that so authentic but apparently at the time was like they called cut she stormed off going you fucking arsehole oh and, really that bad? yeah i really pissed off and then it wasn't until they played the shot back. She went and said, thank you very much, because that was brilliant. And he's like, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm a surfer of reason. <laughs> um, in preparation for this, Anthony Hopkins is a, a method actor. So he spent all of his time on set in the persona of Hannibal Lecter, which is quite scary. Um, but he went to visit several serial killers in prison. He also studied multiple serial killer cases and was present in over 30 court hearings of serial killings and gruesome murders to get into that headspace. Wow, that's dedication, though. That, that's that's a, not a nice headspace to be in for a long period of time, either. No, I had a rumour that, like, his wife couldn't look at him for, like, a year after seeing his performance in this film. Uh, I think it was the woman he was dating at the time left him. Um, I know. I, I think they were married. I think he oh, were they married? divorced based on these performances. Though, like she couldn't look at couldn't him the separate same. the two. Yeah, she couldn't separate the two, and actually, like, left him and divorced him based on his on his. The thing is, though, I'm categorizing all blokes the same, but we're all the same. If I knew that Lisa was slightly disheartened by like a character I played. It would be like, we're about to do it. I'd be going, so Clarice, are you ready? I, I just would. <laughs> and every bloke would do that. We'd all have that moment where she gives you a dirty look and you go. <laughs> um, the production received the full cooperation from the FBI. And when I say the full cooperation, they got everything. So they got um, FBI agents and FBI consultants on set every day that anything to do with the FBI was involved to ensure that everything was authentic and genuine to how it actually is. The FBI also helped market and produce the movie out to the wider audience because they saw this as a potential recruiting tool for more female agents because they had a serious lacking of female agents in the early 90s. That's cool. Really And I can cool. see why that would work as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because they make Clarice is so capable, and they show that it is such a male-dominated world, and they show her fucking rise above everyone and go, "Look how good I am." They yeah. make it so appealing, and I imagine they got a huge intake on the back of this movie. Yeah, Buffalo Bills 
dance that's in the book um, was not in the screenplay for this movie. It was cut. Ted Levine said he wasn't happy that that was cut. It had to be there and kicked off to the point that midway through, he went, if you're not putting it back in, you're going to have to reshoot everything else with a different Buffalo Bill. Really? Mm. He was like, that is essential to define this character. If you take that out, this character means fucking nothing. And I would agree with him as well. Yeah. and I think it's a very important part of who he is. Yeah, it's, it really, really is. Uh, and you... it's one of the most iconic scenes in cinema now. Yeah, and I would say one of the most iconic scenes in this movie by a country mile. Yeah. Um, did you know that we have been looking at naked ladies on the poster of Silence of the Lambs since it was released? Yes, it's by artist... Um... Salvador Dali. Salvador Dali, I do indeed. Um, so the pattern on the back of the Death Head, uh, Death Head Hothmork God, that's hard to say, um, is Inveloptus Moore, which is a picture of seven naked women made to look like a human skull. Yes, very, very cool. So, so, so cool. Um, how much do you reckon it cost them to make this movie in 91? Um, are we talking triple digits? No. Uh, 62 million. 19 million dollars. Wow. Yeah, next to nothing. Um, because what, neither actor really were anything before this. They, they weren't huge before this. I think they still would have commanded a fairly decent salary. They had done other stuff, but they weren't by any stage like megastars. Um, no. How much did it take at the worldwide box office? 240 million. Keep going. 340 million. $272 million off a $19 million budget. Wow. They must have been doing cartwheels for months at how well this done. Highest grossing thriller of all time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, would you like to take round up on this first or would you like me to go first on this? I'll go first because mine's going to be brief. There isn't anything really to say on this film that hasn't already been said. Um, it's a masterpiece I think the score from Howard Shaw is outstanding, I think the cinematography and direction is superb as I've already highlighted throughout this long depth discussion already I think the performances from everybody else involved even down to bit part players such as Drac Crawford even though he's not particularly my favourite portrayal of the character I think the actor who portrays him in this film is fantastic, Ted Levine as Buffalo Bill, again fantastic Anthony Hopkins, what he does with the character of Hannibal Lecter in this film is unparalleled to anything you will probably ever see on screen again. And, I, and it, it's it's one of those portrayals where you forget about how fantastic it is until you actually go back and revisit. And that's not a statement that I say to take anything away from him as an actor or his performance in this film, but because it's so subtle you forget how impactful and important it is until you revisit and watch it again same with Jodie Foster she too in this is superb the way she takes on the role of this character and builds and develops her throughout the course of this film all of them again and I mentioned about Ted Levine and the way that he builds on his character and the level of emotion that he shows the casting is superb and for a lot of them in fact 
probably for the majority of them, I don't think any of them have ever seen or will probably likely encounter in the rest of their careers performances like the, what they have given here. I think this is the pinnacle of what they had to offer as actors and actresses. And as sad as that may seem to say, I don't think Anthony Hopkins has ever done anything, even with the follow-up sequels when he's revisited this character again, has ever developed or produced a, a performance like what he's done here. Um, it's iconic. It Oscar-worthy, and rightly so. Um, Silence of the Lambs is a five out of five. It is the perfect movie not just horror not just thriller i think it is the perfect movie that appeals to so many audiences it, it it's a masterpiece it really really is and 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 i say that genuinely meaning it there isn't yeah. many films that you come across that can encapsulate so much and i know it's got a long runtime but can encapsulate so much in such a short runtime for what they managed to do um Granted, the runtime is quite long, but you you kind of just it just flies by so quickly because you become so invested in the story and the characters and everything that comes with it. it it's it's a joy to watch from start to finish, and the subject matter is so dark and so visceral, and it really really is a pleasure because you can't help but focus on so much. And already I've mentioned so much tonight that this thing that I haven't picked up on, and I've seen this film countless times. And we'll probably likely see countless times again in the future. And we'll still continue to notice subtle little instances and bits of dialogue, bits of screen time that you never picked up on the first time around or the third time around or the fourth time around. So yeah, it's, it's a perfect movie with countless rewatchability factors. So yeah, it's a five out of five and deservedly so. Okay. Um, I'm going to start mine off with a fact that I forgot. I don't know why I think I scrolled past it. Um, so Gene Hackman bought the rights to this. And he wanted to adapt this and he was going to play Jack Crawford. Um, he got 50 pages in to adapting it and then realized, actually, this is really hard to adapt. And then it got adapted by someone else. Um, Jodie Foster tried to buy the rights to this and realized Gene Hackman already owned them and was really pissed off. Um, she wasn't their first choice. She lobbied to get this role. She fought hard to get this role going, look, I've been trying to buy the rights to this. Make me Clarice Starlin. Yeah. And, and, and she got it. But that's the fact I miss. Anyway, into my roundup. Silence of the Lambs is a masterpiece of cinema. It cemented Hannibal Lecter as one of the most iconic horror villains ever. Personally, I think Hopkins plays the role better in Red Dragon and in Hannibal. But he owns the character every time he's on screen. It's well thought out. It's well delivered. It's Oscar winning levels good. It won Best Picture, Best Screenplay Adaptation, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Best Supporting. I mean, this cleaned up at the Oscars. Overall, it's it's fabulous and you have to add it on a watch list. I have a minor gripe with this movie and it, I'm, I'm talking, this is a, I'm being overly critical. There are a couple of scenes that are too drawn out and I really don't like the flashbacks. We get to Clarice's childhood, which is why I left them out of my run through. Um, and for that, that's the only reason it loses a point. It's a nine out of 10 and that's two weeks in a row. I've agreed with the listeners. 
Oh, that's cold, man. Mm. Um, Silence of the Lambs can be watched everywhere in the US and the UK, and you could rent it. Um, or you can watch it HBO Max in the States if you have a subscription. Um, guess the year. So last week was a date that I can't remember, but I'll add it to our Instagram story um, for everyone who got it right. I do I do keep track of who got it right, but I'm midway through recording. It's on my old notes and they're not on my screen. Um, <laughs> my, my movie this week is The Lost Boys. Nice. Mm. And my song is I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For by The Joshua Tree. Oh, what a banger. Yeah. Still have <laughs> Yeah, that one. Uh, what's your quote this week? Uh, so my cure, my cure, my quote is something I've tried not to necessarily pick the one that you would normally go for with this film. So my quote is, I used to tell myself that. I used to try and pretend I was dreaming of all the pain. But don't kid yourself. Some things have to be endured, and that what ma- and that's what makes the pleasure so sweet. Okay, I don't know what that is. I know what year it is, but I don't know what movie it is. <laughs> well, of course, you know what year it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, we are back next week, and we take on the original adaptation of Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. So you need to go and watch Pet Cemetery. Uh, don't forget to support us wherever you can by leaving us a five star review on Apple or Spotify. You can get our merchandise at yourunpodcast.com. You can also go and support our sponsor, Dubby Energy, by going to dubby.gg and using code URUN10 at checkout for 10% off. Make sure you follow us at URUNPODCAST everywhere. If you don't like me and you just love Mark, you can follow him at MW underscore horror underscore reviews or at MW underscore horror underscore VHS on Instagram and on TikTok. Um, But until then, be safe. Watch Pet Cemetery, and remember, sometimes dead is better. Nice. I thought so. It's a new thing. <laughs> we'll catch you next week. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Before you forget, you want to die tonight? The cheaper, nastier, the better for me. Would you have stayed after this? Sorry, man. I was completely off guard there. He's in his coffin. He's the undead. This was the best day of the film. This is not the last time someone's going to steal your man. Yeah, Mark's not a nice guy. But you didn't notice this scene. It looks like he's got an extra leg. Yeah, I've got nothing. I've literally got nothing here. Surely that'd be even worse. More listeners we have, the worse I'm going to be. Yeah, but I would just get a new phone. Oh, I tell a lie, actually. Yeah, because we used to have um, Teletext. Art the Clown makes Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees look like pussies. I can only assume that this was due to budgetary reasons and they couldn't afford enough extras. Are you going to have Buster Rhymes in your list of characters? Mate, I can't believe you don't know Idle Hands. I'm going to ram my foot down his fucking throat. It was awesome. It fucking wasn't <laughs> awesome!